Well, hey, uh, a few weeks ago, Rusty Gevert, you guys know Rusty, he's our elder and pastor over prayer, and uh, he sent me an article from a friend of his named Stuart Greaves. And the article is all about how pretty much everybody on the planet loves looking into the future. We all have this interest, this curiosity about what's coming down the road in the future. In fact, here's a little bit of a paragraph he had in that article. He said, there's a deep yearning and anxiety in the human heart to know what the future holds. I feel this myself. I don't know if you guys feel that as well. He says, we see this in America where the psychic industry is a multi-billion industry with at least 52% growth since 2005 and even serves business executives to determine how to carry on their business. The bottom line is that both believers and non-believers want to know the future. I think that's true. I think no matter who you are or where you're with, uh, at with Jesus, you probably have some interest in what's coming down the road when we think about the future. But what I think there's a difference is why we want to know the future. And I would say for the secular world, the reason is readiness, to be physically ready for what the future is bringing us. And so maybe stereotypically, but a lot of times that physical readiness is, okay, how much money do I need to save up? What country do I need to move to? Where am I going to build my bunker? Because I need to be physically ready for what the future is bringing. But for the disciples of Jesus, if you go back and look at the narrative of the Gospels, their reason for wanting to know the future wasn't physical readiness. It was spiritual response. How do we respond spiritually to what we now know about the future? And I want to say that you guys have done an incredible job the last five weeks as we've talked through the book of Revelation. We've talked about the end times as we've talked and discussed the future. It's been fun to see you respond spiritually in different ways. Here's a picture from week number one. You guys may remember this. At the end of the message, we encouraged everyone, come down. There's these small carpets up here, but wherever you can find room, let's worship Jesus as we would if he were coming back today. And that was a beautiful spiritual response because to me, this picture is a perfect look of why we read the book of Revelations. Like that's it right there, to spiritually respond with fearless worship. That's why we read this book. But it wasn't just the adults. Look at this next picture behind me. It's from our kids' ministry, right? There's the little ones in their prayer caves responding to this message of Jesus. This is why we read the book of Revelation, to fix our focus on the finish line and for that focus to move us into a place of fearless worship of our King. Now, over the series, we've been telling you over and over again, you're probably tired of hearing this book. This book was written by the Apostle John, and he wrote at a time where not only was he exiled for his faith, being persecuted because of what he believed, but also what we haven't mentioned yet is that John was the last of the apostles. Up to this point, the rest of them have been killed because of their faith. And so he is the last one left, sitting alone on this island. Can you just imagine for a moment what he must have been feeling and thinking? The other disciples that he had walked the earth with, following Jesus for those three years, they were no longer there. They had all lost their lives. He was the last apostle left. And so as he is uh, writing this book, what is amazing to me is despite his current crisis, 
the loneliness he was probably feeling, his longing for Jesus to return, it's at the end of the book of Revelation that we find in John's last words, the last words of the entire Bible, we find our ultimate and most eternal reason for hope. I know we've hinted at it. I know we've sprinkled it throughout this series, but today we're going to land our plane on that spot. What is the ultimate, most eternal reason that each and every one of us can have hope in this life? And not only am I going to share with you why, but you guys are going to share as well. And if this goes anything like it did at the nine o'clock, we'll probably get out of here around one or two o'clock. So just giving you a warning, kids ministry, but it was a really really special moment at the 9 a.m. So I'm not going to tell you what that is in 10 minutes. I'll give you a heads up. Don't run for the door. If you don't want to participate, you don't have to, but uh, I'm excited to jump in. Let me pray and we'll move into the message. So Father, we love you. We thank you. I pray you'd begin to raise the faith and the hope and the hunger in this room. Lord, there is nothing, nothing that I can do. I am powerless up here. And so I pray you would take my words and Lord, you would put power in your strength and your grace behind them. I pray for anything that's not of you, Lord, any agenda that I have on my own, would you squash it right now? Would you move everything that I am into the background? And Lord, would you step forward? Would you meet us in this space like never before? And it's in your name we pray, amen. So there's gonna be a graph behind me. Again, we've all said we may not disagree on how this graph is laid out, People have been fighting over this stuff for a long, long time. And hey, great job. Nobody's been fighting over this series as well. So that's good. We got one more, so just hang in there. And as you'll see behind me, though, there are some of the milestones, the heartbeat of the end times. You have the church age. You have the rapture, the tribulation, if you believe the rapture is going to happen or not. Jesus eventually returns. There's the millennium period. After that, there's the final judgment, and then we move into the eternal state. The book of Revelation has walked us through each and every one of these portions of the story. But at the very end, at the very end of the entire Bible, there's an epilogue. You guys know what an epilogue is? It's just a couple statements that are made to kind of recap and summarize everything we've talked about up to this point. And I don't believe it's just an epilogue to Revelation. I believe it's the perfect epilogue for the entire Bible. And so I want to jump into that in Revelation 22, verse 12. Here's what Jesus says in the epilogue. He says, look, I am coming soon. My reward is with me and I will give to each person according to what they have done. Now that sounds a little scary. And the other reason why I want to bring this up here is because I don't want you to think that what he's saying here is, all right, now at the very end, we're going to switch this back to a works-based religion. What he's talking about is a faith that has been proved valid by how we've lived our lives. That's what he's getting at. I am the alpha, the omega. I'm the first and the last, the beginning and the end. What Jesus is saying is that the gardens may be the bookends of the story, the garden of Genesis, the garden of Revelation, but I am the gardener. Nothing has grown and nothing will be restored without me. I'm the beginning and I'm the end. And so this reward that each and every one of us want, he says, it is not coming with the arrival of some human leadership, some man-made government, it's only coming with me. And he says, it's coming soon. Or in other words, what Jesus is saying here is the best is yet to come. 
It's coming soon. It's not here yet, but it's coming with me. Now, I don't know about you, but for so many of us, that statement, the best is yet to come, can create a conflict in our soul. Because when I first started studying this, I thought to myself, wait, the best is yet to come. I thought it didn't get any better than the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus that happened about 2,000 years ago. What do you mean the best is yet to come? Because I thought the best has already happened, right? I mean, hasn't the best, the cross, the resurrection, hasn't it already happened? Jesus would seem to agree with this as we read on. Look what he says next through John. Verse 14, blessed are those who wash their robes. That points to the past. Because when we say yes to Jesus as our Lord and Savior, I'm a sinner, I can't pay for it on my own. What happens is our robes, our life is washed clean. The impact of sin is no longer on us. And the only reason that is possible is because what happened generations ago on Calvary, through the cross and the resurrection, that they may have the right to the tree of life and may go through the gates into the city. And so when you say yes to Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, you now can eat from the tree of life. And you may picture yourself back in the garden of Genesis. Don't go there, okay? Because when Adam and Eve sinned, the angels and the flaming swords blocked off that tree of life for each and every one of us forever. Because what that means, eating from the Genesis tree of life, is that we would live forever on this planet with a broken, sinful nature permeating our existence. We don't want that. And what he says here is that you're going to go at the end of your life, as you go from this world to the next, through the gates of heaven, the city gates, and there'll be a tree of life there, a new, different tree of life. Is it the same as the one there restored? I'm not sure, but that's the tree you'll eat from. And you will live forever, not in this broken existence, but forever in the perfection of heaven. And all that is possible because of the cross and the resurrection that happened generations ago. Outside, he says, outside these city gates are the dogs, those who practice magic arts, the sexually immoral, the murderers, the adulterers, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. In other words, he's saying, listen, if you don't receive my gift of salvation I'm offering you, then that means is that you're going to be an outsider, dwelling forever in hell, which is not an easy word to say, but it's the absence of God versus dwelling forever in this city of God. And each and every one of us, we get to make the decision. God says, I love you so much. I want to have a loving relationship with you. I'm not going to force you. I'm not going to make you a robot. You get to decide. There's a statement, and you guys have probably heard this before, but what Jesus is doing here is he's breaking it down to two camps. And he says, there's one group of people who are born twice, but they die once. And there's another group of people who are born once, and they die twice. Now, those who are born twice, what it means is that you are born of your mother, hopefully in a hospital, not on a highway or some back road, but you're born of your mother, and then you give your life to Jesus at some point, and you are spiritually born again. Your soul is regenerated, and you will just die once. You'll be here on this planet. You take your last breath. We have a beautiful life celebration for you here at North Star, and then you will never die again. You will live forever with God in full and perfect perfection. Now, for those who are born once and die twice, what that means is I'm born of my mother, I live my life, and then eventually I die. I take my last breath, they do a funeral, a life celebration for me, and then I die again on the final judgment day where everybody will be judged. 
and that death will be going to an existence that we know as hell with an eternal absence away from God. Born once, but die twice. And we each get to make that decision. And Jesus is laying out the difference right here. He's saying there are those who will live with me forever who have chosen and those who will decide not to. And so when I hear that and I think about all this points back to what happened on the cross and the resurrection of Jesus, it really sounds like the best is behind us. Those are two events like you can't shortchange. We can't dilute in any part of our imagination. But if the best is behind us, just imagine what that means for us moving forward. That's why the best is before us. And the reason we pick that up here is just listen to the testimony of the Holy Spirit and of the bride, the bride of Jesus, the church. The best is actually before us. That's why we read next in verse 17. The spirit and the bride say, come, and let the one who hears say, come. I don't know about you, but you don't cry out, come, if you believe the best is actually behind you. If you believe the best is behind you, you say things like, hey, can we go back? Can we go back? I really, really want to go back. That's why you have people, I think it's 30s and 40s, that will talk excessively about the glory days in high school and in college and in times that were decades in the past. And the reason why is because they believe the best is behind them. If we're to believe that the best is before us, what we're going to find is that our craving is going to be something from the future to come instead of something from the past to catch up. And so that's what I would love for us, just to pause for a second right here and just have an honest thought with ourselves. What is my craving? What do I desire the most? Is it for something from the past to catch up or something from the future to come? And if it's for something from the future to come, then you know that you're believing the best is actually before me. The scripture continues. Here it is, the last words of the Bible. Let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who wishes take the free gift of the water of life. I warn everyone who hears the words of this prophecy of this scroll, if anyone adds anything to them, God will add to that person the plagues described in this scroll. If anyone takes words away from the scroll of prophecy, God will take away from that person any share in the tree of life and in the holy city, which are described in the scroll. He who testifies to these things says, yes, I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Maranatha, the grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's people. And everybody says, amen. There it is. The end of Revelation the end of the Bible. And so Revelation's ultimate purpose is to highlight the glory of Jesus reaching its climax at his return. And so the problem with thinking that the glory of Jesus reaching its climax at the cross and the resurrection is that those moments, though, yes, necessary and central and sacred, they're in the past. They've already happened. And so therefore the lie we can start believing is the best is behind me. And I don't know about all of you, but when I get in that place in life where I actually believe the best is behind me, that is when I'm at my worst. That's when apathy begins to take over. I think of the moments in my life where I have felt the most help, uh, hopeless is those times where I'm believing, yeah, the best is actually behind. When I believe the best is behind me, every day feels like December 26th. You guys know that feeling? 
It's a little depressing. Vacation's over. The party's over. Because I believe the best is behind me. That's not the way I want to live my life. The greatest, most glorious expression of Jesus is still before us. I don't care how great your life is right now or how wonderful that thing that happened yesterday must have been. The best is before us. And that truth of the future is meant to fill us with hope today. Let me say it one more time. The best is not behind you. The best is before us. Do you believe that? If you do, I want to ask you, are you willing to declare that today? And so here's what I want us to do. We're going to invite... Becca is going to come up here on the piano, and she's going to help us. We need just a little spiritual padding, I think, to get us all, all in the mood. So Becca's going to come up. And here's what we're going to do. We've never done this before, and um, what I want you to see is the picture behind me. We're going to practice working on a declaration. And the declaration is going to be something that you're going to work through on your own. So I want you to be able to create your own things to fill in the blanks. So here's how it goes. My future with Jesus is glorious and eternal. I gave my life to Jesus when, fill in the blank with just a couple words. He has already freed me from, whatever that may be for you, a couple words there, and has given me, and all the positive things you can think of, but just in two to three words would be great. I declare today the best is yet to come. Come, Lord Jesus. All right, here's my example. Here's what mine would be. Yeah, yeah, take out your phones. I need you guys to take a picture of this. Start writing it down. Consider this a workshop. We all need to come up with what this is for us. Write it on paper, however you need to. And they'll be on this screen and this screen the rest of the way. But here's mine. My future with Jesus is glorious and eternal. I gave my life to Jesus when I was 19 years old after a car accident. He's already freed me from comparison and fear. And guys, I still struggle with those, by the way. But he's given me some freedom there. And uh, he's already freed me from those things. And he has given me joy and freedom and support. But I declare today, the best is yet to come. Come, Lord Jesus, come. So that's how simple that is. And so what I want you guys to do is spend a few minutes thinking that through. And I want you to come up with your own declaration. And then I am going to invite you guys to form two lines, one here, one over here that will go through that. I'm gonna dream big. It's gonna go out that door, out in the parking lot, and you guys are gonna share your declaration. And if anyone goes outside the lines of their declaration script, I will tackle you to the ground and we will never do this again. I need you to stay within the lines. And you go, well, the Holy Spirit, no, the Holy Spirit is not telling you to go outside the declaration script. But just try it. And if you do, I won't tackle you, but it would help everyone else who wants to share. So we're going to do that today. And here's why. Because I believe the most powerful communicators in this room, it's not me. It's you. Because when you come up and you extend your faith, to share, the faith in the room rises. Faith begets faith. Hope begets hope. Hunger begets hunger. We saw at the last celebration. I want to see it again. When you guys come up and share and just read your declaration, hope and hunger in this room is going to climb. I guarantee it. So that's why we're doing this. So take just a few minutes, work on your declaration, and I'll be back up and we'll give this a shot.
I invite you guys up, let me just, again, give you my example. Here's all we're doing. And, uh, and if you can, read it with passion. Like, it doesn't need to be some movie star performance, but there's something about just letting your heart and let people know this is what Jesus has done for me. My future with Jesus, it's glorious, eternal. I gave my life to Jesus when I was 19 years old through a car accident. He's already freed me from comparison, from fear, and given me freedom and joy. But I declare today, the best is yet to come. Come, Lord Jesus, come. And so with that said, imagine the person just shares, I want you guys to erupt with applause. We're not applauding the people necessarily, but we're thanking Jesus and applauding for what he has done in that person's life. So who wants to get, who wants to go first? Who wants to break the ice? All right, come on up, Jen. Let's go ahead and line up our lines here and here and we'll get rolling. And let's just see how faith and hunger rise. Jen, come on up, you're gonna stand. Everybody's gonna stand right here. You can read, if you can see that, you can read that or you can read from there, whatever works for you. So we'll get a line here and a line there. So my future with Jesus is glorious and eternal. I gave my life to Jesus when I was broken and shattered. He has already freed me from shame and given me hope. But I declare today the best is yet to come. Come Lord Jesus. You know it's God if I start a line. <laughs> my future with Jesus is glorious and eternal. I gave my life to Jesus, to Jesus 44 years ago. Yesterday was my rebirth day. Hallelujah. He has already freed me from shame when the enemy was luring me to take my life and he gave me his life. But I declare today the best is yet to come. Come Lord Jesus, come. My future with Jesus is glorious and eternal. I gave my life to Jesus when I was 21. He has already freed me from fear and given me so much peace. But I declare today, the best is yet to come. Come, Lord Jesus. My future with Jesus is glorious and eternal. I gave my life to Jesus. He saved me uh, when I was 21. June 21st of year 2000. Uh, he has uh, already freed me from sin and shame and given me a hope, a beautiful wife and kids, and a community. But I declare today the best is yet to come. Come, Lord Jesus. Uh, my future with Jesus is glorious and eternal. I gave my life to Jesus again when I was 41 years old, nine years ago. And I knew that I had came to the end of myself and that everything that I had tried was all about me and that I knew that I was not worthy of God's love, but he loved me anyway. He has given me, he has already freed me from the addiction of drugs and alcohol and criminal thinking and has given me a new life. He's given me a renewed mind. He's given me a soft heart to, to be able to absorb the love that's around me everywhere. And I thank him for that love. And I declare today, the best is yet to come. Come Lord Jesus. My future with Jesus is glorious and eternal. I gave my life to Jesus when he showed me what the true love of a community 
and friends could look like. He's already freed me from toxic environments I create for myself, and he's given me an attitude of self-sacrificing love. But I declare the best is yet to come. Come, Lord Jesus. So my future with Jesus is glorious and eternal. I gave my life to Jesus when I was seven years old in 1991. He's freed me from unforgiveness and anger. And he's given me joy. I declare today that the best is yet to come. Come, Lord Jesus. My future with Jesus is glorious and eternal. I gave my life to Jesus when I was 10 and he visited me in my bed. He has already freed me from fear of not having enough and given me faith to obey him anyway. Uh, but I declare today that the best is yet to come. Come, Lord Jesus. My future with Jesus is glorious and eternal. I gave my life to Jesus when he grabbed my heart and called me to serve him, telling me to die to myself. He already freed me from pride and has given me so much peace and assurance, but I declare today the best is yet to come. Come, Lord Jesus. My future with Jesus is glorious and eternal. I gave my life to Jesus when I was 14 years old. I was a broken 14-year-old girl and he showed me his grace and his mercy. He has already freed me from shame and from spiritual death and has given me an abundant life far beyond anything I could have ever imagined or hoped. I declare today that the best is yet to come. Come, Lord Jesus. My future with Jesus is glorious and eternal. I gave my life to Jesus again about two years ago. He's already freed me from shame and unworthiness, and he's given me life, freedom, hope, and a family. But I declare today the best is yet to come. Come, Lord Jesus. Awesome, friend. There you go. My future with Jesus is glorious and eternal. I gave my life to Jesus about 40 years ago at summer camp. He's already freed me from comparison and fear. He has given me peace and purpose. I declare today the best is yet to come. Maranatha, come, Lord Jesus. My, uh, my future with Jesus is glorious and eternal. I gave my life to Jesus when I was 11 at a youth conference at the Toronto Vineyard. He has already freed me from rejection and from um, destruction. The enemy was trying to destroy me. <laughs> and he's given me a new identity and a loving family, or a loving husband. Um, but I declare today that the best is yet to come. Come, Lord Jesus. My future with Jesus is glorious and eternal. I gave my life to Jesus when I was a senior at Purdue University, a long time ago. He has already freed me from physical pain, fear, and um, comparisons, and he's given me freedom and joy, purpose, wisdom, um, and a plan for my life. But I declare today, the best is yet to come. Come, Lord Jesus, come. 
My future with Jesus is glorious and eternal. I gave my life to Jesus when I was in the sixth grade. He has already freed me from loneliness and seeking approval from the world and given me an identity rooted in who he created me to be. But I declare today the best is yet to come. Come, Lord Jesus. My future with Jesus is glorious and eternal. I gave my life to Jesus when I was a teenager. He has already freed me from the fear of, hang on a second. He has, uh, he has already freed me from the fear of the future and spiritual death, and he's given me hope, the one that I cling to. But I declare today, the best is yet to come. Come, Lord Jesus. <clears throat> Hello. My future with Jesus is glorious and eternal. I gave my life to Jesus over 30 years ago. Uh, he has already freed me from bitterness, self-hatred, fear, etc., and has given me uh, a life that's filled with adventure that I could never have imagined. Uh, and today I declare that the best is yet to come. Come, Lord Jesus. My future with Jesus is glorious and eternal. I gave my life to Jesus when I was 12 and realized that he brought me joy and peace. He has already freed me from the fear and weight of my sin and has given me hope and freedom from my sin. I, but I declare today, the best is yet to come. Come, Lord Jesus, come. My future with Jesus is glorious and eternal. I gave my life to Jesus when I was 62 years old. After many years of being away from the Lord, He has already, already freed me from sin and shame and has given me all the love that I could ever imagine and enjoy. But I declare today the Lord is my Lord and He is yet to come. Come, Lord Jesus, please. My future with Jesus is glorious and eternal. I gave my life to Jesus when I was 16 through the power of worship and testimony in a long childhood of faithful parents um, raising me up in the gospel. Um, he's freed me from the weight of comparison and shame and given me hope in the midst of the darkest seasons of life. But today, I declare that the best is yet to come. Come, Lord Jesus. Um, my future with Jesus is glorious and eternal. I gave my life to Jesus when I confessed my sins in high school and experienced His love, truth, and blessings in college. He has already freed me from my guilt, shame, and fear, and given me given me confidence, provision, and hope in Him. But I declare today the best is yet to come. 
Come, Lord Jesus. My future with Jesus is glorious and eternal. I gave my life to Jesus when I was 23 years old, finding no meaning and no purpose in life. He has already freed me from orphan heart and victim mindset and given me love of the Father and abundant life. But I declare today that the best is yet to come. Come, Lord Jesus. My future with Jesus is glorious and eternal. I gave my life to Jesus when I was 15 years old. He has already freed me from fear and insecurity and has given me unconditional love. But I declare today that the best is yet to come. Come, Lord Jesus, come. My future with Jesus is glorious and eternal. I gave my life to Jesus when I was 35 years old, when I just knew that I could not do things on my own anymore. He's already freed me from my loneliness and negative self-image, and he's given me peace, comfort, and companionship. But I declare today that the best is yet to come. Come, Lord Jesus. Okay, slow down heart. Okay. My future with Jesus is glorious and eternal. I gave my life to Jesus when I was in junior high. He's already freed me from finding my worth and what others uh, think of me and finding value from that. And he has given me security, hope, and joy. But I declare today, the best is yet to come. Come, Lord Jesus. My future with Jesus is glorious and eternal. I gave my life to Jesus when I was in high school. He has already freed me from fear and anxiety and given me a peace that has surpassed my understanding. But I declare today, the best is yet to come. Come, Lord Jesus. My future with Jesus is glorious and eternal. I gave my life to Jesus when I was 17 years old on a giant rock looking out over Lake Saranac as, a, as the moon reflected exactly at me and I knew that was Jesus pointing his love at me. He has already freed me from worry, shame, and fear. He has given me a beautiful family, uh, compassion and grace. But today I declare the best is yet to come. Come, Lord Jesus, come. My future with Jesus is glorious and eternal. I gave my life to him at nine years old. It'll be 55 years next month, do the math. Um, yeah, a long time ago. And he's freed me from feeling alone and rejected sadness. And he's given me a family husband will celebrate 20 years on Wednesday thought we'd never be married either one of us and here we are and I am so indebted to my God the best is yet to come come Lord Jesus My future with Jesus is glorious and eternal. I gave my life to Jesus when I was eight years old. 
my um, mom and I were at church and I said, what does it mean to be born again? And she led me to the Lord and um, was later baptized when I was about 12, trying to like kind of navigate everything. Um, he's already freed me from grief, um, grief when I lost my mother. Um, who led me to the Lord. Um, he gave me joy, and he also freed me from breast cancer, praise the Lord, and gave me hope. Um, I declare today that the best is yet to come, come Lord Jesus. My future with Jesus is glorious and eternal. I gave my life to Jesus when I was 27 and a new parent. He has already freed me from self-absorption and he has given me freedom and acceptance and positivity. But I declare today that the best is yet to come. Come, Lord Jesus. It's hard to follow that one. Um, my future with Jesus is glorious and eternal. I gave my life to Jesus when I realized I wanted freedom from myself and the world. He has already freed me from sin, comparison, and falling short, and given me freedom to be who He has created me to be. But I declare today, the best is yet to come. Come, Lord Jesus. My future with Jesus is glorious and eternal. I gave my life to Jesus when I was 35 years old, almost half my life. He has already freed me from unworthiness and shame and guilt and fear. And has given me, and Greg and I didn't talk, he has given me the freedom to be who I was created to be. But I declare today the best is yet to come. Come, Lord Jesus. My future with Jesus is glorious and eternal. I gave my life to Jesus when I was six years old at a good news club, and then again in high school when I was losing my way, and he just showed up in a big way. He has already freed me from fear, um, from selfishness, and um, just being shy, and not lacking in confidence. And he, instead, he gave me hope and confidence and joy and his great love for me, but a love that he pours through me to others too. But I declare today, the best is yet to come. Come, Lord Jesus. My future with Jesus is glorious and eternal. I gave my life to Jesus when I was 16 in a friend's living room. He's already freed me from fear and shame and pessimism. And he's given me peace and joy and an awesome family and an optimism for the future. But I declare today, the best is yet to come. Come, Lord Jesus. Oh, no. Um, I don't know how anybody saw that. Um, my future with Jesus is glorious and eternal. I gave my life to Jesus at Young Life Camp in the summer of 1994 uh, when I was lost and broken in high school. He has already freed me from anger and fear, and he's given me peace and hope and joy and an amazing family 
and a purpose. But I declare today, the best is yet to come. Come, Lord Jesus. My future with Jesus, I'm going to face my family, is glorious and eternal. I, I gave my life to Jesus when I was 19 years old in college at a uh, youth camp or a college camp and I was lost and I discovered Jesus in the Gospels. He has already freed me from the father wound, from an addiction to pornography, from the prison of performance, from a life without hope. And he has given me freedom an identity as a child of God. Part, a partner in my life, my wife. Incredible family. Experience of church, community. And even so, I declare that this day, the best is yet to come. Come, Lord Jesus. My future with Jesus is glorious and eternal. I gave my life to Jesus when I was a young child and uh, my family raised me in the faith. He has already freed me from being afraid to ask for help in our marriage because I was afraid of what people in the church would say. I was afraid that we didn't live up to what a Christian marriage should look like. And he gave us the Holy Spirit after bringing us down to rock bottom and showing us that we could build our life in the way that the Holy Spirit tells us, not the way that other people in the church tell us a marriage should look like. And we can ask for help and not be afraid to show that we needed it. And he gave me a husband who said the same thing. But I declare today that the best is yet to come. Come, Lord Jesus. My future with Jesus is glorious and eternal. I gave my life to Jesus when I was nine years old at a Carmen concert. Do you remember him? But I ran from him because I didn't see him as Elroy, the God who sees. And it wasn't until college when he said, come home, that I followed his voice. He has already freed me from a lost childhood, darkness, 
pain, seething anger that boiled up in a moment. And he has given me front row seats to three children in their, child, their childhood. He's given me a safe and loving husband. And he's given me eyes to see him as Abba Father. May the God of joy fill me with all peace and joy as I trust in him so that he may overflow with hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. And I declare today, the best is yet to come. So, hey, Abby, where's Abby? Right there. Why don't we, why don't we go ahead and uh, why don't you guys stand? Here's how I'd love to close. Um, thank you. Thank you for everybody who shared. What a, I just feel spiritually spoiled right now by uh, your words, your testimonies. And let's just close maybe with the chorus. What do you think? Let's, just a little, yeah, let's sing together. Let's sing those words together for just a few minutes and then I'll pop back up and, uh, and wrap us up. So 